one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Halloween poison candy hysteria. Here's what you need to know. Every year on Halloween, kids across North America take to the streets for the time-honored tradition that is trick-or-treating. And every year, the same nagging question looms like a dark cloud in every parent's mind. Will my kids get poisoned candy? It's a holiday that tests the beliefs in ghosts and witches. And then you find out that somebody put a sharp metal object inside a piece of Halloween two candy. Two reports of foreign objects inside Halloween candy in the area Just last night. Just found a razor blade in my kid's candy. Broke the candy bar in half and then there was a needle sticking outside that candy bar. He opened bar. it up and there was a razor blade sticking. Parents are being urged to carefully check all Halloween candy and report anything suspicious to police. Halloween was born from a medieval Christian tradition held on the eve of All Saints Day, where poor people went to the wealthy families' homes to pray for the recently departed. To show their gratitude for the prayers, the wealthy families would offer food and beer. The custom of going door-to-door was brought to America by a wave of Irish and Scottish immigrants in the 1840s, and by the early 1900s, Halloween parties were growing more common. It wasn't until the 1950s that the tradition of trick-or-treating as we know it today gained steam, along with suburbanization. Legend has it that tricks began in the 50s, with stories of people heating pennies on skillets and dumping the hot coins into the unsuspecting hands of trick-or-treaters. By the 60s, the rumors morphed to stories of candy bars hiding pins and poisons. 
The first legitimate report of tampered treats was in 1959, when a California dentist named William Shine gave out 450 laxative-laced candies to children. In 1964, Helen Feel, a 47-year-old mother from Green Lawn, New York, gave out bags of treats containing arsenic-laced ant traps, metal mesh scrubbing pads, and dog biscuits because she said she was, quote, annoyed by the Halloween custom. In 1974, an optician in Deer Park, Texas, named Ronald Clark O'Brien, poisoned and killed his own son with a cyanide-laced pixie stick, which he'd also distributed to several other children while they'd been out trick-or-treating. Police were able to recover the poison candy from other kids before anyone else died, and O'Brien was convicted and executed for the crime in 1984. As for needles and chocolate bars, the only known case of this happening was in 2000, when James J. Smith of Minneapolis, Minnesota, was charged with felony adulteration after four teenagers reported receiving bars that contained needles. Smith was later deemed unfit to stand trial, and a petition was started to have him committed to a mental health facility. Despite relatively few cases of tampered Halloween treats, every year in October, the hysteria is given new life in the media and in the minds of parents everywhere who have to wonder, is there a deadly trick hiding in my kid's treat? Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. In 1970, five-year-old Kevin Totson died after eating heroin supposedly hidden in his Halloween candy. Less heavily publicized was a follow-up story that Kevin had found the heroin in a relative's home. In 1974, eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien died after eating cyanide-laced Halloween candy. A later investigation revealed that he had received the candy from his father, who had taken out a life insurance policy on his son. His father, Ronald Clark O'Brien, was tried, convicted, and executed for the murder of his son. In 1978, two-year-old Patrick Wiederhold died after eating Halloween treats. However, tests of tissue samples failed to find traces of drugs or poison, and police concluded that Patrick's death was from natural causes. In 1990, 7-year-old Ariel Katz collapsed while trick-or-treating and died. Although her parents told the authorities that she had heart problems, the initial press reports blamed Halloween candy poisoning. The coroner attributed the death to an enlarged heart. In 2001, a 4-year-old girl died after eating some Halloween candy, leading police to advise parents to throw out all Halloween treats. However, pathology tests showed no evidence of poisoning, and the autopsy showed she died of a streptococcus infection. Since 1958, there have been 100 reports of sharp objects such as pins, needles, and razors found in candy. This amounts to fewer than two cases a year. Studies following up on such reports have found that 95% or more were hoaxes. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello, Alarmy. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest is good friend, actor, comedian, writer, Shelly Slocum. Hi, Shelly. Hi. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Um, Shelly, we like to start off our show by asking our guest, what is something that is recently alarming you? What is keeping you up at night? I know that you're going to answer this really well. I can see your face. Yes, I'm thinking. You're, you're thinking, <laughs> thinking so, so hard. much about it. You know, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I started, I'm, I'm back in school. I'm getting a master's in psychology right now. Begging Woo! your pardon? So, I'm sorry. I'm okay, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Now? What am I wow. thinking right now? What am I thinking right now? <laughs> it's not about thinking, Chris. It's about feeling. It's about feeling. Oh, oh, oh. And wow. I don't know that. You know that. You're your own therapist. Ooh. I don't know. I'm only three weeks in. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> wow. But I will say that there's a lot of concepts that I've already been introduced to that I don't know that much about, but they're kind of like mind blowing. Um, so, so I'll say this. I would say um, poverty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Biggie, <laughs> poverty, oh, well, Biggie one. Me up at night. The idea <laughs> that, like, 
we, you know, like I am in a privileged enough position to be able to go back to school right now, to even just be sitting there understanding some of these concepts. And there are people that probably would really benefit from hearing a lot of this information, mm. even though I'm only three weeks in. And because of the way our society is built, they are kind of stuck in, um, you know, a loop where they don't have the privilege to sit and mm. hear all of this stuff. And it's horrifying. Mm. And it would be so amazing if mental health was something that was being discussed in schools and it was on every street corner in a way that was healthy. <laughs> and, you know, people were able to kind of access information so that they could take agency over their own life and kind of, you know, get themselves out of different loops. Wouldn't that be a novel idea? <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like it would be amazing. And, you know, coming from, I also worked as a doula and a childbirth educator for a little while, like coming from the angle of sex education, I can also see how vital that is in, in different communities as well. Like some people don't even know. They don't even know how babies yeah. are made. I mean, you can just go down that rabbit hole or that just like spiral right down and never sleep ever again. That's right. Once you start with that one. Join me. Mm -hmm. Join me. (laughs) Just give us a call when you're up in the morning. We can all just hop on a Zoom and just dive deep. You want to talk about poverty? (laughs) Um, So that is just the perfect transition into... Just putting things up on the board for this hysteria that has really rocked uh, the, the the United States, right? Um, starting from the 50s. Um, it's not the perfect transition, but I like to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you always say it and you at least try I, and bridge it some way. I did. But, but this one just was, you just didn't even try to no. bridge it. I can help. I think I can help. I can help. Okay. Oh there's an element. I know a little bit of what we're talking about, but there's an element of in privilege, like misinformation and people not having agency and they don't know what's coming their way. And mm. in this scenario, it's actually to feel helpless is like one of the worst emotions you could feel, right? Because there's like nothing you can do. And this mm-hmm. scenario that you're going to talk about is actually something where people are feeling extremely helpless. It's trying to find so control, yeah. trying to find answers, yeah. right? Oh, well, together we did it, Shelly. This good is why. Guest. Good, yeah, really good, good guest. Good guest <laughs> No, the first time a guest has helped you with the transition. <laughs> it's really great. Wait, but maybe you didn't want help. So I apologize no. if I overstepped you. I'm so sorry. Well, she's never going to learn, Shelly, on her own. We've tried. It's just anything we can throw her way. Yeah, it's it's good. I'll take all the it's help I get. The I can get. We can have a new role where we just have Shelly on every episode just for the just transition for the beginning. Part. Yeah, yes. I would and love that. And with us today, helping us with transitions is <laughs> yes. Shelly Slocum. I would love that. I would love that. Hey. Great niche role. I'm just here for a second. I so I wanted to put family members up on the board first. Hmm. Just family. I don't think family has ever been up on the board. Um, I guess we can specify it by calling them murderous family members. Um, and this is according to Thrillist, an article in Thrillist that came out in 2016. The only instances where poison was actually found in Halloween candy involve family. More pointedly, the origin of the poison doesn't appear to be Halloween candy acquired while trick-or-treating, but poison planted in Halloween candy by family members. So it's more likely to be poisoned by someone you know than by a stranger on Halloween. The poison Laffy Taffy is coming from inside the house. Good reference. That's a <laughs> reference from when a stranger calls, for those of you who don't know. Watch it. Um, This makes me think of something that's t- only t- the only real connection here is is family but i think about this all the time the most dangerous place for a woman to be is inside her own home mm. because most women are killed by partners why are you staring at me <laughs> Domestic Rebecca violence. is staring. <laughs> Rebecca is staring right at me. I think we all know. Chris. But yeah. I'm just saying it's it's really this is a terrifying um, 
fact, not not just the 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 one about uh, women, but uh, the just the fact that the the murder, the the violence is coming from inside the house and less from the hysteria that is caused by other things that we will talk about uh, just coming up. Um, but it is true. All instances, there have been, you know, someone who has been close to the victim or a family member of the victim who have either planted the uh, poison or, you know, whatever. So, oh boy, oh boy. We just talked about this in the Lizzie Borden episode, too, about how she apparently tried to buy poison a day or two before the murder. But um, interesting in this scenario, how quickly the the narrative gets shifted, where it's like the narrative becomes gets shifted. I can't say that phrase. (laughs) How it's like, no, it's not going on here. It's it's the crazy people out there who would do this to us, but this like secretly dad is lurking around in the background, like trying to get his vendetta. Oh right. gosh. Right. This is like a scary movie. Yeah. Um Do you trust your daughters, Shelley? I do. <laughs> I do. I, I feel like in these instances it's the parents that are doing it, right? Not not the yeah. kids to the parents. Yeah, right. So I do I have two daughters, they're nine and twelve, and I do trust them, especially <laughs> in regards to poisoning any candy that I would eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. really good. That's really good. <laughs> um and that segues into uh, the next thing I wanted to put up on the board: children, just children. Um, <laughs> they can be is, punks. Children they can, can be, be punks. punks. That's right. Um, this is according to Los Angeles Times from. 1958 to 1988, researcher Joel Bess found 78 cases of candy tampering. Almost all of the 78 cases were pranks. The pranks, he said, were all of kids, after years of hearing similar stories, inserting needles or razor blades into fruit, not realizing how much they frightened their whole town. Quote, my favorite, Bess says, was the kid who brought a half-eaten candy bar to his parents and said, I think there's ant poison on this. They had it checked out, and sure enough, there was ant poison on it. Significantly, in the end, he had not bitten. Of course, the youngster had applied the poison himself. So this goes into sort of lore and then copycat sort of behavior, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. like contagious, like, you know, like when something becomes contagious in the community. Mm. Interesting. You mean like like a, a I rumor? I mean, this is very this is very dark. But like they, you know, like at a university setting, they say that often suicide becomes like a contagious thing if it happens, and people start like copycat, and so they oh, try, you know, there's a lot of oh, prevention and outreach around that. But the same thing can be said for like, oh, people are talking so much about this poison candy. Like, is there something that's infesting people's minds where they then start like wanting to act on that prank or something? Yeah. Right. Totally. Shelly, have they gotten into that in the first three weeks of your uh, psychology degree? <laughs> no, they haven't. They have not. They have not. But I have been thinking, like, you have to wonder what's going on inside of the family system that mm. would cause a child to make a decision like that. So, like, clearly it's, like, attention-based. Mm. I don't know. I'm just so curious, like, why a child would do that. Now, there's certain ages where that's actually from my limited experience as a mother, very normal. Like I remember our older one picking her up from preschool once and she was like, I told everybody there how you burned me. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, no, didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. And I just, she was like picking at her toes and she was like, yeah, the way you burned me. And I was just like, <laughs> what? what? Who did you tell? What was she referring to? I have no idea. I have wow. no idea. But I do remember talking to people and they were like, Oh, yeah, that's normal for that age. Like, they just kind of can be like, yeah, and then you stab me with the kitchen knife or whatever. Like, not that it has to be that dark, but like, you know, they're just playing and and kids are looking for boundaries, right? That's kind of the whole point of of it. So that kid with the candy bar and the aunt is like, sounds like he was like looking to be told like, no, um, here, Don't put po- ant poison in your right. candy. What do we call that? I, I think that they're that? just to sort of extend that idea a little bit out further is that like, you know, kids uh, thrive off of their, their exactly like Shelly's saying, they're finding their boundaries, mm-hmm. they're exploring their imaginations. And when they find this opportunity, uh, this holiday where the even the adults are opting in and they're dressing mm. up and playing make-believe. 
the kids sort of are like, well, oh, I guess, you know, I can just see them sort of extending that out and being like, well, I, uh, tricks or treats. Like we're supposed to play tricks on each other. Oh, we're supposed to make pranks. It's an option. Tricking is an option. Tricking is an option. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I just it's think interesting. that it's so like, what do we, how do we like d- encapsulate that in a, something that we could put on the board? Like, is it misinterpreting what tricks actually is or? Pushing boundaries. Yeah. Pushing uh, boundaries uh, over imagination. Prank like, confusion. <laughs> wow, nobody like really react. Nobody really responded to. I, no, but I was now, expecting it, it's, a really it's settling a little yeah. bit. It, I, I'm I'm settling. Well, my, into my, it. my thinking is that kids, <laughs> in order to like pull off a good prank, you have to know a lot of social rules mm-hmm. that kids don't really sure, know about. Sure, yeah. they don't have the boundaries, so the, yeah. the prank can sometimes be dangerous. Yes, you you went too far. Yeah. You don't understand. Yeah, they, and they okay. don't they don't understand consequences not fully, mm-hmm. right? So. Consequences? Prank misunderstanding, maybe? Uh, I think... Prank confusion works. Prank confusion. Yeah. Uh, Okay. We'll we'll keep that. We'll keep that. I also want to talk about political propaganda, because this is a big part of why what, you know, caused the hysteria. This is, again, according to the Thrillist article, the rumors and reports about dangerous Halloween candy often capitalize on what's happening at the moment. In the last several years, rumors of marijuana-laced treats have been circulating, despite no evidence that this has ever taken place. The fear is no doubt due to the rise of edibles in cities that have legal marijuana dispensaries and pending votes on the legalization of the drug in some states. This is a Vox article. After Colorado legalized marijuana in 2012 and began sales in 2014, opponents warned of a spooky but unwanted outcome that Halloween, marijuana-laced candy. Uh, Anti-legalization activist Kevin Sabat echoed the concerns, tweeting a news story about marijuana-laced candy in Maryland. So it it feels like it's like whatever is happening at the moment, mm-hmm. right? Whatever the political uh, agenda is of the moment, then it's like that's what we should be afraid that uh, afraid of in our candy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does this mean we're going to have people saying that somehow like COVID is in our candy like two a month from now? Oh, could be. I mean, they inserted uh, that they injected COVID into candy. I mean, maybe it would be more like they put the mRNA vaccine into the candy. Oh, and then that's better. <laughs> You're right. It's going to be the anti-vax people who are like, this is how they sneak the vaccine mm-hmm. in us. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they snuck I think it we're starting that rumor right now. I think so. this is, yeah, it's yeah, going to. We're starting it now. <laughs> this is the seed of it. <laughs> we're continuing. Thanks, we are, um, um, we're, we're. Propagating. Uh, Cultivating the next uh, hist- candy hysteria, <laughs> Halloween candy hysteria. A la QAnon related. <laughs> Maybe it's also like political's, political issues make me think of scare tactics. Mm, and which is ha- Halloween. Halloween is a yeah. scary time of year. So what's more, what's scarier than politics, really? Oh, geez. Year round Halloween with politics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Some of those right. ghouls and ghosts in office. <laughs> oh yeah, they don't. Even, they don't even have to dress up. They don't even. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can just see the next haunted house in the Senate. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Every when they do they tours, they do tours of the White House, oh. but they call it a a, a, a White House haunted tour. But right. they don't do anything to the White it's House. Just a bunch they of just old, take people like, around, skeletal white men who are like barely living, <laughs> running the country. <laughs> the United States Congress is a zombie movie. It's a hundred percent scary. A um, so. Uh, you know, aside from uh, from all these ghouls, um, I think we should also put up uh, police spreading misinformation. Another big uh, contributor to this hysteria. Okay, this is from a complex article just a few weeks ago. 
Police who remain vested in full-blown propaganda of the antiquated reefer madness variety are at it again. The latest example began with Ben Salem police warning parents about Halloween candy laced with THC. Unfortunately, there's a lot of sick and evil people out there, and that's the world we live in. Fred Haran, the head of public safety with the Ben Salem Township Police Department, said in the report, according to the police... The edibles, which again are clearly marked as edibles, were confiscated during a traffic stop from someone who got them while in California. <laughs> Anyone who's ever purchased edibles or is even vaguely aware of the industry surrounding them knows that these packages are far from cheap, meaning no one in their right mind would ever consider wasting them by handing them out to children. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Such a good point. Are any of you guys gonna- high right now? No. no. I haven't had any Halloween candy this year yet. So no. <laughs> I feel like my eyes look really glossy now that this is doing this on Zoom, but I had an allergy shot earlier and it's, it's just my allergy shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were you got into the uh the little uh Halloween bucket, the mm-hmm. pumpkin Halloween bucket of candy, right? <laughs> No, it's her marijuana laced allergy shot because everything's. Oh, no. Everyone's just trying to get rid of marijuana because it's just dirt cheap, right? I I just got it from my neighbor. I I went trick or treating. It's not a big deal. They're giving allergy shots around the corner. (laughs) Well, I think that this also plays into political, the political thing, which is that. If you kind of have an issue with, like, say, marijuana culture or, like, you know, you Mm. think that Mm -hmm. weed is bad or whatever, then you're just going to be like, gummies, kids eat gummies. They put weed in gummies. That means kids are going to get the weed. That means that gives me something to be mad about. Just really feels like kind of... To me, that feels more like like the person who... Like, it's just, like, incredible irrational thought it's like to go from like oh my kid eats gummies to there's also marijuana gummies and i'm certain that kids across my town are somehow going to get them confused or secretly passed onto them and get high just seems like really like hysterical like the title yeah like hysteria in general it's interesting because and this is actually kind of going back to you know what shelly was talking about in the beginning which is that you know, it's easy. We all spiral. Like I'm the queen of spiraling. I will uh, think about something that gives me anxiety and I can, you know, think about the worst case scenario, right? Um, this is what the show is about. This is, you know, like the, I, I can do that so easily. But I have been privileged enough to have a lot of therapy in my life and I know what to do. You know, I can quickly talk myself out of these spirals because I have had the, you know, two, I have the tools, right? I've had the therapy. Um, but when you don't, we can see how like we can come to this conclusion. It's like, pan- is it, do you just call it good old fashioned panic? Like, is it just like yeah. social panic? Yeah. And, and I think when you, when you think about parenting, it's like, you know, and also that maybe helpless feeling where like you can only do so much. And so there mm-hmm. is something where I watch it even at like schools that my kids have been at where like the parents get together, parents get together and one thing's off a little bit. Like mm. it's like, you know, before Yikes. you know it, this tiny little thing has turned into a huge catastrophe. And it's just because you don't want that happening to your kids. Mm. Or like I remember something awful happening where um, a kid in some camp got hurt in this like really horrific way ended up at the hospital and it was on like a little board on Facebook where a bunch of people moms were talking about it. and and you, sure enough all the moms were like how'd they get hurt where'd they go what camp was this because they're all like mm-hmm. can I apply to my own life so it doesn't happen to me right. I can touch my kid because that's just I think there's a there's a real maternal instinct there that is like built in from like helping your child survive that's a really beautiful thing but I think it can also bleed into these other areas where you're like, what can I do so that this horrific idea doesn't happen in my family, to my kid, to this town, to whatever. And then you start spiraling. What, so what if, what if that gives me an idea for two things? One is like, maybe we could call it like parental panic and separately we could really just put up like the, the difficulty of raising children. 
Mm, in this day and age, we yeah, sound just, like old so people. There's so much to worry about. That of course, you're going to. Of course, you're going to worry about the candy because there's just so like like Shelly said. I don't have children, but I I imagine that my only job as a parent would just to make sure my kid doesn't constantly die. Yeah, like, until they're old enough to take care of themselves, right? So I can yeah. imagine. And how still, I'm sure you worry. That must yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like it, even what's interesting too is like today's day and age when there's more information, there's a lot more to be freaked out by, right? So it's mm-hmm. so different versus like when a lot of this stuff was happening, right? In like the 80s or whatever, we didn't have that much information. So it's also possible that something like that could have been dismantled quicker. Maybe not, but oh. it's, it's an interesting idea to think of. Um, Maybe not, or it could have spread like wildflower. Totally. Right? Totally. This wildflower, is, uh, Clayton, wild, or wildflower or wild the wallflowers, wild the band, yeah, um, wildflowers, wallflowers, the band, Fun. yeah, wildflowers. that's right. <laughs> Come on, try oh, yeah, oh, yeah, the three Marlenas. Um, now I, I, that that's making Clayton. I want you to put those two things up that okay. you mentioned, and okay. I also want to talk about these two other things that I think are, are tied into what we're talking about. Which number one is misplaced cultural anxiety. Mm. And this is according to Joel Best, a researcher and hopefully our uh, guest expert. Uh, Halloween sadism is best seen as a contemporary legend, sometimes called an urban legend. That is, it is a story that is told as true, even though there may be little or no evidence that these events, the events in the story ever occurred. Contemporary legends are ways we express anxiety. Note that concerns Note that concerns about Halloween tend to be particularly acute in years when some sort of terrible recent crime has heightened public fears. Mm. Thus, the September 1982 reports of death due to poison Tylenol capsules led to many warnings about trick-or-treating's dangers in that year. Similarly, the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks were followed by legends warning against visiting malls on Halloween. Of course, many malls now offer safe trick-or-treating, and this legend may see, may be seen as a way of expressing fears that Americans are no longer safe. We live in a world of apocalyptic scenarios. Here we are. We have safer, healthier, longer lives than people in any other point in history, and we're constantly imagining that this could all fall apart in the in a nanosecond. So I think that what happens is we translate a lot of our anxieties into fears about our children. Ooh. Yeah. That's great. Wow. That's great. I I I I'm thinking about how there's also this element of parenting where I know my life, I know where I've come from, but I also have to prepare my children for the future where I don't even know what that is. So there's like mm. this element of giving them skills for this unknown, <laughs> unknown wow, world that, that is profound. You sound like <laughs> such a great parent. I feel like <laughs> that's so like thoughtful of you to be thinking in that way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can you be my mom for a week? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. but I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the week. <laughs> mm. I, I mean it's that not like, as in like I'd give you poison candy. I mean that as in I don't know what the world will be like by the end of the week. That's right. <laughs> mystery box mom is what you're saying. You're a mystery box mom. You don't know what Um Yeah, there's something that made me that in in that sort of Joel Best quote that made me think of uh the movie The Purge. So mm. I guess there's this society and of the purge and then the one day a year they they just there are no rules or whatever, so you go people go out and kill or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I think that Halloween is in a sense, like it is a way that we can exercise those fears in a sort of, um, more playful, imaginary, imaginative way. So, you know, we sort of play out these scenarios in our mind and, and, and scares and, and these, Mm. these horrors, you know what I mean? Even though it's mostly, uh, you know, it's not really scary. Like when a kid comes and knocks on the door and he's dressed as a ghost, like I'm not scared. I'm not scared either. Whatever. I like, and I swear I'm not I'm even a little bit scared. <laughs> um, but I think just sort of thinking about it as a cultural exercise of practicing playing out those anxieties, because as we know from the alarmist playing out those, uh, playing out those worst case scenarios is a helpful way of, trying to think about what you can do in those times. 
I don't know. Is that a bit yeah, of a stretch for and, you guys? And I, I think when you say them out loud, then you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's not that bad. Or maybe I'm overthinking this or whatever. This, I think that's the that's the point of, of talking them out loud. But like maybe, so you're saying like expressing these. I guess I'm seeing it as like a, a good thing. Uh, I'm just, misplaced yeah. cultural anxiety is to me, that should be up on the board. That's a good. Yeah. But but to me, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we do that mm. because it actually helps us sort of um, play out those fears and and understand. Yes, they are mm. real, but it, they are not necessarily, you know, pending or well, you know, uh, go, definitely going to happen. But it's good to know if they did. What what would you do? I think or that how to prevent against certain things. Having cultural anxiety is natural and normal, but misplacing it is where the problem, you, you know, starts. Right. Right. So so like it so like it's one thing to have a tiny ghost ring your doorbell, and it's another thing to have um, your kids having candy that might have like a razor blade or a needle or something scary in it right is that mm-hmm. what you mean like the difference between those two yeah i guess i guess that's sort of what i mean i don't really know what i mean <laughs> i feel like i don't know if this is helpful but it's making me think of I, I don't know where i read this but like there's talk about you know like horror movies which can be so terrifying and gruesome the reason people are so attracted to them or one of the reasons is that the like intense fear gets your adrenaline going so much that you actually feel more alive just by watching it Hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a reaction that you don't have in other film genres. So although it's like very un, it seems unhealthy and, and kind of detrimental and might scare you for several days to watch something like that, it actually has this positive yeah. effect on you mm-hmm. spiritually and mentally. So yeah. it's like maybe Chris, it's like there is a positive element to having this kind of like fear stuff going on in Halloween this night where all this stuff is supposed to happen so that we are more maybe yeah cognizant and you know of our surroundings yes thank you for explaining that better than better than I I did <laughs> there's an element of um I don't know if you guys have ever heard of trauma therapy which I mm. think I've heard in association Clayton when you were saying about the horror I've movies I have heard mm-hmm. of that and that sounds that it does sound similar to what you're saying Chris and this idea of just like traumatizing yourself and then also somehow building resilience from that right and being mm-hmm. like no i'm i'm good you know bring it yeah. on world mm-hmm. well i i know that we're you know we're getting close to time and there's two other things that i want to put up on the fo- the board uh the media number one. Oh, you mean this sorry is- rebecca do you mean the board <laughs> yeah the bo- uh-huh. <laughs> Clayton laughed at that. So dis- he's nodding his head, so upset that he laughed. He's mad at, that. at himself. That's right, and he should be. Uh, um, the media uh, ha- helped spread the- these rumors. Right in 1985, a poll by ABC News and the Washington Post fi- found that 60 percent of parents were afraid of candy ta- tampering. 60 percent. This is uh, an article from the New York Times. Pranks, hoaxes, and folk tales, although perhaps in keeping with the Halloween spirit, can also spread misinformation and the news media shares some culpability. A study published in JAMA Pediatrics, Pediatrics report, reported that for four to eight-year-olds, the pedestrian fatality rate was 10 times higher on the night on that night compared with non-Halloween nights. This danger gets comparatively less news coverage. So it's it's more dangerous just the fact that you're walking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, oh. and, and less dangerous, you know, the, that doesn't get as much news coverage because they want people to continue to, uh, you know, do trick-or-treating right. every year. It's like plane crashes crashes versus a car crash. Like you're more likely right. to die driving, but everyone's afraid of dying in an airplane because we talk about that more. Exactly. This is a, an article uh, from Thrillist. Uh, almost every reported incident involving poisoned Halloween candy or foreign objects inserted in Halloween candy has been a hoax. When first reported, the stories are grabbing headlines. Halloween has just passed, and the reports are partially attempting to serve the public by informing the public of individually wrapped theoretical hazards sitting in their cupboard. The The retractions come weeks later, if at all, where no one will see them. 
So they'll report on the, you know, oh my God, there is, you know, is your Halloween laced with uh, marijuana this year? Find out uh, the news at the news at uh, 10 o'clock. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> Tune in. Don't miss you, this one. How do you, you not do it. that for a living? Uh, you are just so good at that. Just so many us. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the. <laughs> Uh, if someone said it like that, I would tune in. Like, what, what is this person going to say on the air for real? But but then they never like you never hear the one where it's like, and now for tonight's uh, news, let's talk about how the candy that we told you from before is not actually poisoned. Find out in tonight at ten p.m. Changing the channel. <laughs> So, so I think that there's a couple things there, which is that it's like sensational. It's, it's mm-hmm. more, it's more like, is it like a rumor or like, just like rumors, like in well, general, it's just more, it's just more, there's more of a mystery element. If there's someone putting poison or needles in candy, then right. it's just like, look both ways before you cross the street, buddy. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's what the news yeah. should be reporting. Like, hey, buddy, hold hands, hey, hey. hold hands, <laughs> and bring a super, yeah, bring it. Follow the crossing guard, and, <laughs> and s- s- red means stop, green means go. Like, yeah, but that's just not going to get you to tune in. That just won't get you to tune in. Well, not that's the media. O'clock. I feel like that falls under the media, media sensationalism. Media. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, we're, we're, so what else do you got, Ray? Because we okay, are, yeah, we have listener suggestions here. And this is from Ad Sid Bull, and they wrote, White Suburban Moms. I think white suburban moms are always starting these myths about how danger and crime are coming to their neighborhoods when they're really just fine. So that was uh, from one listener. And then we also had at Bone Morph say fundamentalist Christians should go up on the board. Um, I thought that was intriguing, uh, especially because when when they did um, <laughs> when uh, this listener posted on our social media that they wanted this to go up on the board, they got flagged by oh. uh, <laughs> really? uh, Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, I think it was Instagram. Yeah, uh, just because all they just wrote was they- fundamentalist Christians. <laughs> Why is that flag worthy? I don't know. But it definitely happened. They sent us the screenshot. So I I looked up, you know, I was like, okay, well, let me just look up fundamentalist, you know, Christians and Halloween to see there, there must be something behind this <laughs> mm-hmm. if they're flagging it. And I found this article on uh, Time, uh, in Time, the, the televangelist Reverend Jerry Falwell was one of the first to see Halloween as a teachable moment. Falwell thought it could be used to teach about devil worship and temptations. Amid his perception of the growing normalization of the sexual promiscuity, drug use, and rock culture, he became convinced that if you could win against Halloween, you could make kind of an insurgent strike against all other ills of culture. (laughs) He sounds really cool. Mm. I want to hang out with him. Yeah, okay. My ultimate goal is to get rid of rock and roll. It's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Um, But this, this is something that I found very interesting. Uh, This thinking, Biven says, led to Scaremare, which was started in 1972 by Falwell's Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Inspired by Scream in the Dark, a production in Bakersfield, California, it was conceived as a form of outreach similar to a haunted house with ghosts surprising guests in the dark, but designed to challenge guests to think about what would happen when they died. This is trauma therapy, like Shelley. This is Shelly's trauma. Yeah, but it, it, they wow. just took haunted houses and said, oh, but it's Christian. Here's but a it's- shitty lesson. <laughs> Boo. You know why test you were just faith. scared? Because you need Christ in your life. Yeah, <laughs> test your faith. It's, Should we put the devil the on the board? Like, is the devil to blame? <laughs> Let's throw, put him up yeah. there. Yeah. He, he, should, he should be up here. Um, all right. Wow. I mean... Do do any of you have anything else that you want to throw up on the board before we get started here? Shelly? No, I mean, I think the, when you were saying the last part about, I, don't, I do think I have like this issue with Halloween, um, but where it's like a celebration of fear or like, mm. Chris, that scary movie that you were in that we, we went to go see, um, mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity. 
that that scared me more than I think I've ever been scared in my whole life. And we were living in this <laughs> old house at the time, and I definitely was like, it's it's definitely ghosted. Like my relationship to the to that house changed completely after I saw mm. that movie. <laughs> Oh and, yeah, and you guys did live fault. in that haunted no. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it was in a haunted house. It was kind of haunted. Um, <laughs> but but there's some element where it is like a celebration of fear, and that's always like bothered me. So that's looking at it from a maternal mm. angle. So when I talk to mm. my kids, that's kind of how I've approached it. Like this is a celebration of fear, and so if they're going to choose to wear something that's like a zombie or have blood or whatever coming off of, out of them, um, which I really appreciate this conversation because it's kind of broadened my. <laughs> my outlook a little bit i just have wanted them to like own it so own Mm. that and not just be like well my friends are putting blood on their face so right you know own that they're normalizing fear yeah own that own that they're choosing to celebrate that or go in that Mm. direction so it's an internal choice versus something that's just been from the external you know like oh my friends are doing this and this is what you do on halloween versus Mm -hmm. i would rather have them be like i want to explore this and no, yes, my vampire side, exactly. Yeah, or my yeah. zombie eat brains side. Because there's totally. also other things you can dress up as. Like one year, um, we did a, a scary sketch comedy show, and the first uh, scene opened <laughs> up, up with Shut Clayton, up. and it was supposed to be a scary image, and he showed up dressed as a bag of jelly beans. <laughs> The worst it was, it was, it, was a, it was a clear plastic bag, and I blew up a lot, a lot of little balloons to be the jelly beans. But it was hot, so I was sweating. So the bag was like kind of moist. It was, a, it was like amazing. condensation in the bag. It was an incredible costume. Spooky. But, the whole but he owned it. Point he did own the it. The first Shelley. sketch was proud. supposed to be like Clayton looks scary. I mean, if those had... jelly beans had been laced with something, that would have been really yes, there scary. You go. Oh my gosh, Shelly. <laughs> Okay, right, we have got to move on. So Let's do it. Let's start <laughs> knocking things off the list. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to start knocking things off the list. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, who's to blame for Halloween poison candy hysteria? Is it family members of the murdering type? Children? Prank confusion, political propaganda, scare tactics, police spreading misinformation, parental panic, the scary reality of parenting, misplaced cultural anxiety, media, 
white suburban moms, fundamentalist Christians, or the devil. Ooh, Ooh creepy Halloween. A good, scary list we got. Beelzebub. I want to start off by taking children off. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Uh, but I do, you know, you youngsters out there, if you're listening, if you don't understand pranks, don't do a prank unless you understand what you're doing this or what a, you're getting this yourself into. This is a huge into. point, too, because TikTok <laughs> is, young people are all over TikTok and TikTok is like all about pranks. And some of the pranks are just people going up to other people and just smacking them on the face. That's Dirty not them. right. Yeah. That's really not right. And that's not a prank. <laughs> that's no, just physical that's violence. violence. That's right. Um, okay. So that ho- point, hopefully that point is understood and taken. Um, family members of the murdering type, uh, that definitely a problem definitely yeah that's a big one there's actually evidence for that so i feel like you can't maybe not just yet i feel like it should live there a little longer but i don't know they cause the hysteria the halloween hysteria Mm, maybe they're you know that's where it gets a little Uh, no they they fed into it and then they acted on it what came mm -hmm. first the parent poisoning the kid or the hysteria right i i think the parent poisoning the kid probably right yeah so then then they are responsible for some of the hysteria but I but wasn't the hysteria around when did this happen? The, the, guy the pixie the, that was in the eighties, and this had already okay, started. So so, it's so, not, yeah, it's so that came later. And okay. okay, so let's take prank confusion off as well because I feel like we've already addressed that. Yeah. Um. Now political propaganda scare tactics. Hmm. What do you think? I feel like scare tactics can be folded into political propaganda. Sure. And police. There's a lot of that. Right? And police spreading misinformation. Uh, Well, that's different. Well, it's so funny because when you look at it, political propaganda uh, comes on just at the top, the sort of top part of our list. And then underneath it is parental panic, scary reality of parenting, misplaced cultural anxiety. To me, these are all ways that a politician could totally um, create, yeah, create chaos and sort of create, uh, you know, variations in, in, in the uh, cultural landscape and capitalize on them. Like that's sort of what a politician does. My, my, I guess my problem with political propaganda is like, what do they gain from spreading a rumor like that in society, like Fear. no one's getting real, no one's getting reelected because of that. No, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, well, okay. Let's say you're a politician who's, um, uh, you know, whose voters don't want to legalize marijuana. You know, right. and and mm-hmm. you're going around saying, you know, ooh, you're giving them, an, you're fueling that fire, giving them another reason why. What you shouldn't they, legalize it, sure. You should legalize, yeah, exactly. You shouldn't legalize and why they need to keep voting for him because he's going to make sure that he gets the the, the voice, yeah. or the message out. It, it, you, about can, the you can easily ills. sort of tie it to like family values bullshit and it's, you know, and, and also anti, anti-marijuana can be tied to like anti-drugs, can be tied to like, um, you know, people are bad people are evil and it sort of takes the drug issue and it makes it sort of one-sided as these bad people who do drugs and want to hurt other people as opposed to thinking about it as you know drug addicts are suffering from an an illness you know Mm. what i mean it sort of allows them to sort of confuse a lot of issues to me it bothers me a lot i think yeah so so I, I still think political propaganda stays, but I think police spreading misinformation can be folded into the political propaganda. Okay. okay. Um, and I think that parental, the, the scary reality of parenting can be folded into the parental panic, right? This is why, why it's happening. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's, I would go ahead, Shelly, you were going to say something. No, I, I just agree. I agree with Rebecca. <laughs> okay. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, and but, I, I would say that white suburban moms are, are uh, you know, <laughs> it's in the, yeah, they're parents, moms. So, so that it, the, inherently they're parents. <laughs> only, only parents live in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> only moms. 
<laughs> dads no at dads work. Allowed. Come no on. Dads Come on, ladies. Let's get in the big city. White, the white dads are at work in the big city while the yep. white moms are in the sur- suburbs. Um, up rumors. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that folds into the, uh, you know, scary sure. parenting and also the, you know, police spreading misinformation. It's like... Um, fundamentalist christians and the de- the devil and can the be devil. yeah the devil the devil the devil <laughs> gets folded into fundamentalist christians yeah. now hang on a sec hang on a sec wait wait I just, wait <laughs> what's your point here chris well i'm just thinking out loud here if the devil is real okay the devil is real according to uh let's say the bible okay the devil is the cause of all uh bad. pain pain and suffering and bad things in the world right okay and I would categorize this type of panic, anxiety as pain and suffering, right? So since all of this pain and suffering emanates from the devil, this qualifies as something emanating from the devil. So if we agree that the devil exists, I think we have to blame the devil here. But <laughs> See, that's is, the big that's, question. That's a big if. That's a big the easy, if. The thing about that is if that's the truth, then there is no podcast because every episode you just throw the devil in the jail yeah, the it's would... just the jail yeah he's the only person it's always the person to blame who's to blame yeah. the devil. that to me is a cheap that's an easy cost. <laughs> who's the blame to the devil? so you're saying clayton that there can either be a world where the devil exists or there can be a world where the alarmist podcast exists i'm saying because if that's yes. the case then there is no there is no devil. no devil we need to keep this podcast going <laughs> this is the only thing keeping us going Drake the devil. Yes. <laughs> yeah, take I'm that saying devil the devil is also a very convenient, easy way of not having to do any critical thinking about what's yeah. actually going on around True. you and just blame it on a mythical thing that's responsible for all. Very, Which very good point. Does then fall under fundamentalist Christians? Yes, right. If you look at it under that. <laughs> but and I actually think that fundamentalist Christians, I don't think they're the ones that are to blame for this one. Mm-hmm. And I I, no. I feel the same way about like, like you guys feel about the devil. I feel that way about the media. It's like, oh, we're going to blame the media, you know, like, oh, but I think for this one, just based on like uh, the process I went through um, doing the voice of, of the newscaster. Mm-hmm. It was hard. <laughs> it was a very scary, very scary moment. Did it was you feel really, vulnerable? I did. I felt <laughs> vulnerable and I felt the power that I had wow. in that moment oh, God. to scare people in a way that was um, uh, uh, not the Good words. Good for ratings. Not, Good for, for exactly good for ratings but wow. i was gonna say incorrect like you shouldn't do that it's like too powerful like don't manipulate people like that so when if, i write the description for this episode it's going to be only scare tactics and if people don't tune in then they're all going to die from <laughs> so, so this is going to be the bo- most listened to episode of all the alarmists also a good also a really good uh costume idea for a youngster out there a young alarmy member is put away the ghost and put away the blood and all the scary things and get out a microphone that says channel seven news <laughs> put on that a little pantsuit a little newscaster oh showed up for candy cute or <laughs> horrifying terrifying i mean depending on what they say right exactly oh, who enters the door <laughs> all true all well, true. Okay, just so our listeners know, we have still have political propaganda up, parental panic, misplaced cultural anxiety, and the media. Here's where I'm leaning towards, and tell me what you guys think. I think we should put misplaced cultural anxiety in the alarmist jail and slap the media. Mm. What are what are we thinking about that? I feel like if we all just like talked about what we were scared about, um, <laughs> it wouldn't come out during Halloween. I just feel like Halloween wouldn't be as scary. Yeah, it wouldn't come out on Halloween, and you know, mm. it, it it would. Um, we'd be able to be like, okay, I'm afraid that my kids are going to get, um, you know, uh, poison candy because I'm afraid that I can't control like what happens to them out in the real world and the media is really just trying to, you know, work work my fears. I think that's all fair and valid. I think I want to turn to Shelly because before we take off parental panic, mm-hmm. she's the only parent here. True. So she has 
presumably experience with this and not only with herself, but also with other parents, mm. you know, have parents, have other parents tried to panic, panic you? And, and is there a sort of contagiousness to this parental panic? How, how potent is this? Yeah, I, I do think that it is very potent. I think that it's not that hard to get spooked by something, but I also think I'm, I can see how in this scenario, it's really parental panic in reaction to the media. Right. Mm. I don't think it was a bunch of moms sitting around saying, and I mean, unless you went to the news <laughs> sources and you could like literally get down to those white suburban moms. And, um, but I, to me, it seems like it's parental panic in reaction to it. Mm. Right. It, it's true. It's in these days, it's like I saw this post on Facebook or I saw this article that was posted on social media. Right. And this is I what it somewhere. Right. Well, and now, now that we've discussed that, I think I'm switching. I think we should send the media to the alarmist jail then. Oh, wow. Because if they're the ones that are manipulating these fears, right, this parental panic, then they're the ones to blame, right? <sighs> I mean, parental panic's always going to be there. Let's think about it. I mean, I, I, I wish that I had a good analogy. Big Little Lies, right? Mm -hmm. Great example sure. of parental panic in some ways of like, things kind of building off of a real issue that happened that wasn't handled very well where a little boy like hurt another kid. And I think that stuff does, that's, that's outside of the media. And so I guess, is it the media's responsibility to know about these things and then be very careful in how they communicate about them or, or not? Who's responsible? Is or is it the parent's responsibility to look at the media and go, mm, okay, media, you're just doing that thing again. Like who's, in, in the communication between those two, who's wow. really responsible? Ooh, it's a great point. Is it then? Is it communication between? Uh, uh, I was going to call us humans and media, <laughs> just like community and media. Ooh. Yeah, who's filtering out the bad stuff from who? You know what I mean? I think that Shelley makes a great point yeah. that the we we have to as a as a species. Mm -hmm. Understand that media ha media is trying to capitalize on our fears, and so we need to be able to put a put a filter up in between it it, it and us. And and it's not the end all be all. Just because you see an article, that doesn't mean that you have to um, stop trick or treating. Stop trick or treating. So so then to me that goes back to the media. No, to me, it goes back That's to displaced panic. cultural anxiety where oh. it's like we're, we're all taking this stuff yeah. in and there's so much coming at us and it's too traumatic for us to deal with. And so there's kind of like a irrational response right. to certain things that we've cherry picked out of all the stuff that we're ingesting, right? So it's like for some mm. reason, this thing every year, it comes back around and maybe this year you seem more susceptible to it because- whatever's going on in your yeah. world in in the media whatever it is like the media is just kind of like feeding into that anxiety but it's us who we're not i don't know we're not handling it we're not dealing yes. with anxiety yeah. mm -hmm. okay um that so i go, i go back I, i'm glad we explored all of these other options but i'm back misplaced culture anxiety i think i think that's it for me okay okay yeah okay and i'm going to call it the media, you're getting the big slap. Misplaced cultural anxiety, you're going to the alarmist jail. Wow. And just like that, we have secured everyone out there a safe and happy Halloween. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for I'm that. I'm so glad that we got them in jail before Halloween. <laughs> just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. Um, yeah. Who, so who are you guys picturing that you're slapping when you slap the media? Cause I'm picturing, um, Bryant Gumbel sport, oh, oh, sports, so uh, the sports anchor. Mm, mm, I was thinking no, like the characters in succession. <laughs> <laughs> I want to slap Tucker Carlson. Sure. Please that do that. Sense. Please. <laughs> I'm gonna um I'm gonna slap uh myself doing that voice from before. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. It was fun. I know. It was fun, <laughs> but it's not not it's not good. Um 
All right. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for this hysteria that swept the nation during Halloween. You're so welcome. By the way, did you guys have to throw your candy out during that time? I did. I feel like I did go through that. Yeah. You did? Oh, I never had to do that. I think I had to- My mom went through my candy for sure. Inspection. I had an inspection. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just stole her. I think it was just like to steal the good ones. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Shelly. The Halloween candy hysteria lives on. A 2011 Harris Interactive poll of parents with children 12 and under found that 24% had concerns about poisoned treats. And yet, the tradition of trick-or-treating remains as popular as ever. Even with COVID vaccines still unavailable to most children, Dr. Anthony Fauci said, quote, This is a time that children love. It is a very important part of year for children, along with this blessing to get back out there and enjoy the holiday. Safely and in small groups, of course. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at The Alarmist The on Twitter, at The Alarmist Podcast on Instagram, or email us at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the feud between Queen Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots. Powered by ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.